Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on Sports Talk, Mike Dettelier, Christian Garrick. Here we welcome in now former Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Drew, how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. How you doing? Good. So, what are you up to these days? What's what, what, what you got going? <laughs> Man, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 coaching ball. I'm coaching my kids. I'm actually about to coach Callen in flag football right now. So, I'm getting ready for that practice. Got the ball plays ready. Got the drills ready. Got a big game tomorrow night. Um, uh, other than that, man, just uh, just enjoying life, enjoying being dad, and uh, doing a lot of things on the business front and with uh, philanthropy as well. So. Uh, a lot going on. Are you getting into uh, any of the sports betting that's so popular? Well, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm actually uh, uh, an ambassador for Points Bet, um, which actually just opened up um, in Louisiana. Um, as uh, as I know, uh, a lot of a lot of fans enjoy enjoy uh, you know their, their their sports bets and, and betting on games and and, and kind of creating some some kind of fun competitions um but yeah that's that's now open and available uh in in louisiana um so i encourage everybody download the points that app if that's something that uh you feel like doing true well one of the things that's changed so dramatically in the league today is how you practice preseason is taken it's totally different and we see it a little bit in how some of the offenses have reacted to the past few weeks to start the season uh, I knew you always spent time after practice with players throwing the football and in the offseason you would work with the receivers and tight ends and running backs and that sort of thing but from a routine standpoint to get in that timing your thoughts on it when you first got into the league to how it is today and how that has changed so much well, I say this. I, I mean, I, I see what you guys are saying, and and I don't and I don't know what the statistics are saying about the points that are being scored right now in the first part of the season, but it feels like uh, the defenses have had the edge. Yes, you know, it feels like offenses have been a bit stagnant um, or just not performing at the levels that maybe we're all used to. And look, preseason has changed, right? There's only three preseason games, and and quite honestly, I don't think many starters play in the preseason anymore, whereas when I first came in the league and 
really up until, you know, maybe my last few years, we would always play in just about every preseason game except for the last one. Um, in addition to that, the offseason has changed pretty significantly. Um, we used to come in in mid-March, and you'd have a good, you know, three, four months of, uh, of practice and workouts, and um, there was just so much time on task so that by the time you got to the season, I think execution was at, you know, a, a very high level because you just had the reps. Whereas now you look at the way that the, pre-se- uh, the, the offseason has been cut down, guys aren't playing in the preseason, it's just, it's just different. And I'd say offensively is where the execution is at a premium, where when you say, man, all 11 guys have to be on the same page and doing their job in order for a play to work or for a play to look the way it's supposed to look, it's, it's, it's a lot more true on the offensive side than it is, I think, the defensive side. You know, So um, I think that's what we're seeing. That's why I think that's why we're seeing the numbers you know, and the scoring lower right now than than what we're used to um and i imagine that'll pick up as the season goes on but you'd say the teams that you know are having an advantage right now are maybe the ones that spend a little more time together or have a little more continuity and um that kind of thing true one of the things this offense has always been noted for you know with sean and, and pete carmichael kind of setting it up along with you was the fact of getting the football out to the running backs coming out the backfield. That was a hallmark, so to speak. If it was uh, Deuce, if it was Reggie Bush, if it was Pierre Thomas, Darren Sproles, Mark Ingram, Kamara. And that, that part, even last year early on, wasn't quite there for this team, and it hasn't been there this year. Your thoughts on, man, Kamara as a receiver coming out the backfield? Because I know one thing. Man, if I'm a linebacker or a safety, man, he's scared of Jesus out of me if I got to cover him one-on-one downfield because it's a mismatch every time I go up against him he's that good of a receiver yeah I'd say it like this you know I was you know when I first came in the league um, it was it it was kind of a different era with running backs you know every team kind of had their premier running back that you wanted to try to give you know 28 to 30 carries a game and I think that that era is gone, right? I, I mean, when's the last time you saw a running back carry the ball that many times in a game? Only the Titans so, do it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Derrick Henry. But 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 uh, I mean, those guys take a beating, right? And so you 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 sit there and think to yourself, okay, well, if we can't hand it to him thirty times, he's still the best player on the field, right? And he's such a problem for the opposing defense. So how do we just get this guy? as many touches as we can. And in fact, the passing game I find that for a running back is even better because now you're getting the ball to them in space where they're not having to deal with, you know, getting hit by defensive linemen and linebackers necessarily. It's now safeties and corners, right? So to me, that that's, that's where the game has evolved to is you have this dynamic player like Kamara who you just want to put the ball in his hands as much as possible, Right you recognize you're not going to be able to hand them the ball 30 times. You may hand them the ball only 10 or 12 times, but let's find another 10 or 12 opportunities to get them the ball in space in the passing game. Cause good things happen when he does that. And it's a way to help him make it through an entire season. Former Saints quarterback, Drew Brees here on sports talk. And Drew, when you were playing, I think you handled all the calls, right? Mike and the, 
Mike and the defense and even the, the line calls to a degree. What goes into that, if you can paint that picture for the audience? Say that one more time. I believe uh, when you were here in New Orleans, you made the, you mic'd the coverage or you mic'd the defense, and I believe uh, you know made some line calls or adjusted the line calls. What goes into that? If you can paint the picture for the audience, what are you, what are you looking at when you do that? Yeah, so it, it's look, communication is key, and um, on any given play, whether it's run or pass, there's communication with the the offensive linemen as to you know who they're blocking. Um, based on the run scheme or in protection, who they're blocking, who they're sliding to. Um, there's changes that you're going to make, you know, based on maybe the pressure that's coming or you want to change the protection or you want to change the play or change the route concept. There's plenty of that that happens um, on a play-by-play basis. You know, there's times where you walk up to the ball and you've got, you know, two plays called or even possibly three plays called that depending on the verbiage that you use, it may change the play, and everyone has to hear that, communicate it, and then be able to execute it. So, yes, that, that's, that's, that's very much part of a, a high-performing offense because a play caller is not going to be able just to call the perfect play. In a lot of cases, what they're doing is they're calling a play but giving the quarterback the option to get into a better play or to, in most cases, get out of a bad play into a better play. Um, and that's, that's what is the difference between you being in maybe a third and short situation than a third and long situation because, hey, we ended up running the ball into a really bad look. That's not the look that we want to run that play. We should have gotten into something different, and you know the result might have been different as well. So, yeah, that's, that's what's great about our offense, and I wouldn't say every offense is like that. Some offenses are, you know, call it and run it, we, we were always an offense that had the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage, communicate, you know, line calls. And that was something that I think was always done by the quarterback, you know, in, in our system. That's where we evolved to. And I, I love that because I think that was just part of my routine in stepping up to the ball was, hey, communicate who the Mike linebacker is or who we're going to block to. Or, uh, you know, we have the ability to change this protection and get it protected so we can push the ball down the field. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's something that I think has always been a hallmark of, of, of our offense. Do you see call it and run it going on this year with the Saints offense? I mean, there's, it's a combination. I think it's always it, – it, the offense is what it's always been um, as far as the scheme, as far as the run scheme and, and the pass concepts and such. And it's always very versatile. I mean, look, our, our offense has always been our inside zone game, our outside zone game. It's our play action, you know, shot opportunities. It's then our drop back game. And then we've always been, you know, pretty good at screens as well. And, but it, it so much of it is about execution. It's what we talked about early on, um, you know, with your first question was just about the overall execution of, um, you know, offensive football. And that is, you think about it like this. You know, you, you only get 10 to 12 series a game, right? So those are 10 to 12 scoring opportunities. Let's just call it 12. And if you're a, if you're a high-performing offense, I think you're scoring on half of those. So six out of those 12 you're going to score on. And let's say that's half touchdowns and half field goals. Well, that's 30 points right there. If you score 30 points, you're probably top three in the league in scoring, right? So let's just let's be more conservative and say – you want to score between 24 and 30 points a game. I mean, that's going to win you a lot of football games, especially when you've got 
you know, a top five defense on the other side. So I think that's how you break it down is just say, all right, with these 12 series, this is what we need to accomplish. And if all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're getting penalties or having unforced errors or lack of communication or something that's causing you to all of a sudden kill a drive, right? Put you in a third long situation when it should have been a third short situation, your percentages of converting go way down. Now all of a sudden you're putting the ball as opposed to continuing the drive. That's, that makes a lot of difference. It makes a huge difference. True. Uh, we had on Monday night Rick Venturi, longtime NFL coach, and now he's a color analyst now for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And he's old enough, man. He remembers, uh, you know, doing game planning up against Fran Tarkenton and Steve Young. But he says, Mike, I, I really would like to ask Drew this question. So if you talk to him before I do, you got to ask him. He became really the catalyst for what we see today with a guy that's not ideal size at quarterback. And he said, you know, Mike Vick scared the the heck out of you when you played him because, man, he could run like a track sprinter out there on the field and create plays. But he said, just think of the guys like a Tua now in Miami or Kyler Murray out in Arizona. And he said, you can kind of go on and on with the guys that weren't the six foot three guys, but Drew made it work. And he convinced other teams that, hey, listen, you don't have to be six foot three or six four to play in this league. And your thoughts on that, on, on you sort of be because you play with a guy even shorter than you and Doug Flutie, who who played a long time out in Canada and then he played in the States also, uh, with the Bears and the Chargers. Your thoughts on that, because that didn't seem to be a measure with you. You just got it done and could throw through tight windows and and finding an area to get the football. But at one time, that was the deal. Ah, Too short to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Look, about 98% of playing the quarterback position is between your ears. Yep. It's, It's your ability to process the game. It's your ability to lead the huddle. It's your ability to make uh, good, quick decisions. Um, it's ability, it's your ability to have play with a lot of confidence, you know, trust yourself and trust your receivers and those around you to, you know, make plays, trust to throw it into tight windows. Um, and that comes with a lot of practice. It comes with a lot of experience. And, you know, I, I've, I've been asked the question, I think more so recently than ever about, you know, young quarterbacks and how much time it takes before, you know, they become successful or how much time they should be given you know, uh, before a team is going to, you know, kind of make a decision to stick with them or move on. You know, I mean, you, you look at the situation with, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, obviously leave, you know, being a, being a first pick in the draft with Cleveland and, you know, they, all of a sudden he's no longer there and now he's with Carolina and Sam Darnold. And like you've got, you got all these scenarios where, you know, half of these first round quarterbacks technically work out, but you ask yourself, man, what would have happened had they ended up somewhere else? Uh, in, instead of you know where they got drafted, or what happens if the team would have just stuck with them for one more year? You know, maybe they were just taking a little bit longer to develop than somebody else. Like, look, I I got benched three times in San Diego, <laughs> right? And then it was because of an injury that that I ended up in New Orleans, right? Otherwise, that never would have happened. And uh, you know, that that's what got me with Sean Payton and got in this offense and had a chance to be a part of the last fifteen years there, right? So. Look, there's, there's, there's not an exact science, 
other than I think there's a lot about just the there's certain traits that come with with quarterbacks and they come in all different shapes and sizes and you have this image as to maybe what this quarterback should look like in regards to his height or his size or his arm strength and that kind of thing but in reality that has very little to do with his ability to be successful Um, so much of his ability to be successful is what's between his ears and how he has developed um, during his, his, his early years, I would say. And, you know, some of the best things that happened to me, honestly, was, was, was failure early in my career and getting benched and having to kind of fight through that adversity, work through that, and then ending up in a situation where I had a coach who believed in me and was, was willing to build this offense around my strengths um, and then being, a, being, you know, with some incredible teammates and, in a place like New Orleans where we had a chance to thrive. So um, I'm, I'm excited for Tua, and I'm excited to see his success right now, especially after the, the first two years and, you know, the way that people were talking about him this offseason, you know. Um, and honestly, that's probably a lot of what, what drove him and, and motivated him, you know, because I think we all saw his performance in college and, and all felt like, man, there's no doubt this guy has all the tools, and he's not the biggest guy, he's certainly not the – it doesn't have the strongest arm. And yet that's not what it takes to play this game at, at the highest level. And he certainly appears to be, be developing into, into a good quarterback. Drew, you kind of had said in the past that you were kind of year to year from 2017 until you eventually retired in 20, after the 2020 season. Um, how, how okay would you have been if the Saints had drafted Patrick Mahomes in 2017? Would that have bothered you? Man. No, you know what? No, because because I I get it. You know, I I understand the process. Um, look, I, I was I was there in the draft room when when all that was was happening. I just it, it was funny. I, I I don't know if you guys know. I don't know if anybody knows the story. I was I had just played in the Zurich Classic Pro Am, and I came to over to the Saints facility because it was the 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 first day of the draft, first round, and we had the whatever it was, the 10th or 11th pick, right? And I knew we loved Marshawn Lattimore. You know, I knew that we had him graded really, really high, you know, as maybe like the third or fourth best player in the draft. And that was kind of the the need for our team and felt like that was the guy we wanted to pick. Um, But I knew Sean Payton loved Patrick Mahomes. I knew he felt like he just had some really unique traits that you just don't see very often. And naturally, me being towards the end of my career – Hey, this is this is kind of the next guy, right? And let's, you know, had he been there at that pick, and we would have had a chance to draft him, I think we would have taken him, with me in the room, honest to God. And I would have looked at that as I wouldn't have looked at that with any type of animosity. Um, I mean, of course, I would have said, man, it would have been great to get a DB to help out the defense. <laughs> but at the same time, I also recognize the bigger picture which the bigger picture is you, you got, you, you have to plan for the future as well. And they don't know how much longer I'm going to be around or want to choose to play or be able to play at a high level. So I get it. Now, Patrick Mahomes would have had to come in and I wouldn't, I wasn't going to let him beat me out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I would have done what I did to, to all the rest of them along the way. But, but I also would have tried to be an incredible mentor to, to him and, because, again, I care so much about the organization that I care about the future after I'm gone. 
and I want it to be better than when I found it. I want them to continue to thrive and be successful. And if if the organization and Sean Payton felt like that was the next guy to lead lead the team, then man, that's great. I'm going to try to equip him with everything I got to be able to do that once I'm gone. Drew, after the Nola no call, how much did you think about retirement? I mean, that, that was a devastating call, or no call, I should say. Well, it, it's more so like this: like had we had we gone on and won the Super Bowl that year, I think it would have been hard not to retire. In other words, you know, man, how many people get to go out on top like that, right? It's pretty rare, and the way that season had come together in 2018, um, you know, I, I think that that might have been a situation to retire. But, but at the same time, I, I, know, I know my mentality and I know the way I'm wired. I also could have made the, the argument to myself, ah, we got a pretty good team coming back. Let's go win another one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Um, and, and then had we won in, in 19 and gone back-to-back, I might have said, man, nobody's won three in a row. Let's go do it. <laughs> right? So, so look, I, I, you know, I, I say I might have retired, but chances are – I, I always had that number, tw- you know, that number twenty in my mind as far as playing twenty years. So, I, I think I was, I was set, I was set on that. Even though I was, I was just trying to stay more in the moment and just be year to year with my mentality. Drew, what do you make of the Saints one and two start? What's the issues? Yeah, look, I, I, I think it's, it's disappointing just because these, you know, three divisional games to kick off the season. You know, that's a bit unusual, right? Um, by no means are we the team now that we're going to be, you know, mid-season or end of season. I think we're just going to progressively get better. I mean, look, we got some new pieces, you know, offensively and defensively um, that, you know, if you're talking about just executing at the very highest level, you know, it just takes time. It takes time for all of that to come together. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not deterred. I don't think anybody else should be. I think we've got a great team of leaders and I think we've got guys that are going to continue to get better and better and, and will be in midseason form, you know, quickly. Um, but it is one of those things, too, where, man, you just you don't want to start off in, 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 in too big of a hole. You know, you want you want a fast start. You want to you want to win. You want to get out, get out ahead. I mean, you certainly don't want to be in a position where you feel like you're just kind of scratching and clawing to to to, to stay in the hunt. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh I'm, I'm not deterred at all. I think I think we've got a great team, and I think it's only a matter of time. Drew, how's the pickleball game? <laughs> Man, pickleball game's strong. It's strong right now. I don't think you want to mess with me. Hey, Drew, uh, I, I heard LeBron now wants to get involved. LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Uh, so the so I'm a I'm an owner in Mad Drops Pickleball Club is the name of our club. Uh, we're one of 12 teams in Major League Pickleball MLP, um, which is uh, we have four members on each team. We hold an annual draft. This is what's unique about our pickleball league is um, each year we redraft. So right now we have two men, two women that represent our team. We have one more event this year. It's in Columbus, Ohio, in October. And then we're actually in the process of adding four more teams. And so by this time, or, you know, by the start of next year, we're going to have 16 teams. And it looks like we're going to have six events next year. And um, basically the teams show up to a location and we play a bracket-style double elimination tournament. We pair an amateur event and celebrity event along with our professional event. But, man, it's gaining a ton of steam. 
I think everybody, you know, obviously it, it, the sport is growing uh, very, very quickly uh, across all demographics. Um, young, old, um, it doesn't matter. It's it's an extremely fun game, a very social game, um, a very interactive game, and something that anybody can play. I think that's why everybody loves it. Um, and I think it's capturing kind of the attention of, you know, sponsors and, um, you know, networks uh, wanting to kind of get in on the action as well, which is exciting. A lot of, you know, very successful business people and obviously celebrities and athletes, uh, I think are pretty intrigued by the sport, not only to play it, but also to, you know, get in on the, uh, the team ownership side. So, yeah, it was just announced yesterday that LeBron James, Maverick Carter, their venture group, along with uh, um, uh, a few others have purchased one of those teams, um, one of those four expansion uh, uh, franchises. And we're just going to keep growing. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and honestly, I think it's just the beginning. Drew, in about we got about a minute left. Uh, just tell us about your latest endeavor. Yes, so uh, um, I'm uh, I'm excited to be an ambassador for uh, for PointsBet, which actually just went live uh, in Louisiana, and I encourage everybody to check it out. Um, uh, I know there's tons of Louisiana sports fan and uh, sports fans PointsBets. Uh, really thrilled to deliver its best-in-class user experience and, and market offerings um, across our sports space. And we're actually the only operator in the market to offer name a bet and live same-game parlays. Um, so I encourage everybody to download the PointsBet app and uh, see what we're all about and uh, have, uh, have, fun cheering on, have, have fun cheering on the Saints, LSU Tigers, and uh, all of our other local sports teams. Former Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Drew, thank you so much for the time. We really Thank you, Drew. It. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.